This season of Well Undone is brought to you by Perennial Plants. Born out of a lifelong love affair with houseplants, Hattie founded Perennial Plants to share this love beyond just her own living room with homes across the country. As someone with an appalling track record of keeping houseplants alive, I can proudly say that, truly living up to their name, my own perennial plants are still thriving over five months in. A true testament to the care with which they were brought into the world. Along with a collection of unique, handcrafted, locally sourced pots, which, might I add, are not available at your usual plant shops, you can view the full houseplant range at www.perennialplants.shop and on Instagram using the handle perennialplantshop. Thank you to perennial plants. Welcome to Well Undone with Lydia Allaby, the podcast where we discuss body image, mental health and everything in between. I'm your host, Lydia Allaby, and each week we will hear from a new interviewee about their personal experience of, quite literally, living in their own skin. Because once we understand that we are not alone in experiencing the damaging impact of wellness and art culture, we can begin to undo it. This week's guest is Imi Leipnick. Part lawyer, part runner, part most efficient human you will ever meet, Imi now lives in the hustle and bustle that is Shoreditch after a childhood gallivanting around Rygate, Surrey. Imi and I met as students shortly after a mirrored move to London to begin our legal postgraduate studies. And my main memory of our first meeting was of simply being bowled over by her glowing enthusiasm for, well, everything. And along with this unbridled enthusiasm, what I quickly learned about Emmy was that she was one of the kindest and most open people I had ever met, with an extraordinary ability to accept those around her for exactly who they are, no more, no less. As someone who has journeyed alongside me through life for more years than I can count, I couldn't be more excited to have Immy on the podcast this week. Immy, welcome to Well Undone. Oh, I'm so excited to be here too. I feel like this has been so long in the making and it's so great to see it all finally happening. Yay, thank you so much. As someone who was regularly on the receiving end of, what do you think about this name for the podcast? What do you think about this logo? <laughs> With impeccable patience, uh, it's only right, really, that you actually get to feature. So, Imi, take me back to the beginning of your story and your relationship with your body. So, I think where my relationship with my body probably consciously starts is like for a lot of millennials and particularly millennial women around secondary school um you know I have before that very happy memories of as a child I was relatively a tomboy I loved being outside I don't remember having conscious thoughts about my body either positive or negative until I got to secondary school really I think as I say that's probably the same for a lot of girls and women my age and you know, I remember fond memories of primary school, running around in the playground. Exercise wasn't really a conscious thing. I did, you know, I was very lucky to have access to things like swimming lessons, dabbled in dance lessons, which was very clearly a no quite quickly. Did all those clubs and those sort of things. And that was just in a really great way, part of my childhood growing up. And then suddenly I found myself at secondary school and exercise was this much more conscious thing so we had PE um, which was one lesson a week and then games which was a double lesson on a different day Um, and then Saturday sports and things like that as well and all of a sudden it was this whole other world where 
my perception was that you were either in or you were out and so I think it's interesting Cammy spoke a bit about this as well in her episode where you sort of turn up at 11 and if you can play netball or you happen to be the person who's already had a growth spurt you are immediately on the netball team and if you're not then again my perception certainly was that you weren't really worth anyone's time and I think it is really great actually now seeing in the media things like Joe Wicks and the perception of exercise at school changing but I do think we perhaps went to school or you know I went to school at a time where sport was very much split still into those who do and those who don't and I whether truly physically or in my own perception felt very much like someone who didn't couldn't shouldn't and that was very much my identity of my relationship with exercise at school as you kindly said in your introduction I am someone who has always had an enthusiasm for things generally so for me that just got channeled into something else which at school was music and drama and I loved all of that and I still had a very fulfilled relationship with my hobbies but those hobbies did not evolve around exercise or feeling good about exercise on my body I felt that it was something for the other something for the people who were good at sport whatever that meant at the time and that that just wasn't me wouldn't be me and so what was the point in in trying and engaging and why did you feel do you think at that time that that wasn't you I don't know I think it's a really interesting thing because when I look back now it's not fair to say that that was purely because of the way it was approached at my school I think part of it was you know if I'm honest I think part of it could have been dealt with a lot better and I'm sure it is now you know this is 15 years ago since I started secondary school but I think part of it was that as I say if you didn't already know all the rules of netball or you know which end of a hockey stick to hold then my perception was that not much effort was going to be put into helping you understand that even if you were someone with all the enthusiasm I had but equally I think on the flip side I definitely wasn't as self-aware as I am now and part of it is probably that I talked myself out of it as well and you don't have the confidence to say oh well, hold on a minute I'd love to get to know more about this and you don't have the resilience that I would like to think I have now to say oh gosh you know what that first half term was awful and I did drop every ball but why should I stop going back? Yeah that's really interesting. Did you have any sense because I know something that I have read before in some quite interesting books and studies is that there at least was when we were at school sometimes a slightly different treatment of girls and boys when it came to sport and for boys uh, at least what the studies would show is that regardless of whether they were good or bad they were forced to do it and that had many issues with it the opposing issue being that for girls, if you were good at it, great. But if you weren't, there was no need to encourage you to do it because you were girls. So there was no real expectation. Would you identify with that experience? I think I do agree with that to a degree. You know, I can't remember exactly, but I think, for example, boys and rugby was the male sport at my school. And as you say, regardless of interest, everyone had to play rugby which I know was a bugbear for quite a few of my male friends. But I think rugby fielded three or four teams every weekend, regardless of the level. Whereas I think netball was an A and a B. I don't think there was a C. I and mean, even the B occasionally wasn't on. So 
yes, I do think that there was probably less encouragement of female sport at secondary school. I do also think part of it, and I'm sure we'll come into this in a bit, but as you know, I took up or or retook up playing women's rugby, full contact 15s rugby when I went to university. And that's something I'd played as a child. Well, not full contact as a child. I played tag rugby as a child. I loved that. Really enjoyed it. That was at the local club. Certainly it was a real community club. It was a real team feel even at that age. And then at school that wasn't an option. And it's not like at that age that I was super into rugby necessarily, but it is that when I turned up to school, the only option for girls was netball and hockey. And you know, occasionally dabbled in other things like swimming and things like that. But those were the those were the golden ticket sports. You know, if you were good at netball and good at hockey, you were good at life. <laughs> <laughs> and taking a slight sidestep, at that point in your life, where obviously you had a much different relationship to exercise than you do now, what would you say your relationship with your body and your body image was? I think relatively ambivalent. It's a tough one because in so many ways that makes me feel really lucky. I've, you know, in a fortunate position where I've never hated my body. I think like a lot of people and particularly women, I have periods and days where I don't love my body, but I've never hated my body. Equally, when I assess how I felt about my body then now, I do think an ambivalence towards your body can be equally as damaging. I just didn't really care. You know, I wasn't super overweight. I wasn't toned. I was classic in the middle teenage girl. But actually, I realize now as someone who does really enjoy exercise and do it because I want to and I get a lot from it in so many ways. If I'd had the opportunity to start to feel like this years earlier, I think it would have just helped me in so many ways, not just in terms of my physical development, but just in terms of my general development in life as well, my confidence in myself. And I think actually now I think back, it is sad that I felt ambivalent about my body at that age. You know, that's an age where I know people always used to say this and you never believed them. And now I'm starting to feel very much in my mid twenties, but at that age, you really can do anything. You know, I was so lucky to be in a body that is able to do things like run and walk and play netball badly and I wish that I had appreciated that all more at the time yeah so talk me through what happened when you finished school and your experience of starting university so I finished school finishing on a high of very much regularly skiving off games lessons in sixth form there was a bit of a soft system where you could by that age sign in for whatever games activity you wanted and some of them were sort of squash at the local leisure center and things like that but it was very much a write your name on a piece of paper in the sixth form center and no one will really check where you've gone <laughs> so kind of finished on a real anti-exercise high there I just felt like it wasn't my space it wasn't worth my time that was that I wasn't someone who was sporty I was someone who was musical and into drama and that was going to be me and that was my identity at 18 and then I went to university in Durham and Durham is a collegiate system and one of the things they pride themselves on is sport participation at college sport level so every college you don't have the opportunity to play sport for the university. You can also play sport at college level. The idea is that that's a level that everyone can be involved with. And that's a really big point on all their 
open days and propaganda and all of that. And again, while I was looking around and that sort of thing, I just thought, oh, okay, cool, well, it won't apply to me. And then I turned up and you have freshers fairs and events and all those sorts of things. And I thought, okay, well, I'll sign up for some college level sports because it'd be a really nice way to meet people. And I love meeting people. You know, I'm generally quite extroverted. I really get so much from meeting new people, trying new things, a lot of energy, always a lot of enthusiasm, even if not the skill level. I thought, great, this is the real time to do it. And so I signed up for college level women's rugby because, as I say, I played it when I was way younger. I thought this would be really fun. This is a bit different. It's really interesting that I still, I think, very much scarred from my 13-year-old PE days, thought, oh, well, there's no point signing up for the netball team because that'll just be completely not my space and unattainable. don't know why I have this weird mental thing about netball because I have <laughs> lots of friends who are netballers and they're all very lovely. Um, <laughs> very, very much me and my own skeleton in the closet, my relationship with netball. <laughs> and... So I thought, I'll sign up for women's rugby. That'd be really great. It'd be a bit of fun. Why not? So I started playing college level rugby, really loved it. Great level, real mix of abilities. And then a friend from school who also happened to go to Durham, but a different college had started playing university level. And she'd said, oh, come down. It's a really open session. It's really fun. And I thought, oh, well, you know, well this may be a step too far. You know, I've just about managed to become involved in college level sport. Why don't we, you know, literally walk before we run here? I said, no, 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 it's really friendly. There's like development sessions and you come down, have it a throw around. You're not committing to anything. You know, why not? I thought, oh, okay, okay. Well, come and see what this is about. And this is, you know, good friend from school and a trust her trust Becky with my life so I thought she won't force me to do anything I really don't want to do so I had it down and I absolutely loved it long story short ended up playing rugby for Durham for the three years I was there was super involved with the club it just completely changed my relationship with exercise and I think not just my relationship with exercise but my relationship with myself my relationship with those around me I found a real team and a real community where I realized that exercise wasn't just about pushing your body until you were the best or until you felt unwell. It was about your physical health, your mental health, being part of a team, building a community. And I think what was a real revelation for me there was that as someone who has always been a bit of a perfectionist, which is sometimes a positive thing and sometimes a negative thing, I found that I really wasn't that great. I was okay. I was okay. You know, I was a very average rugby player, but I still loved it. And I still wanted to go every time. And I still felt part of a community. I didn't feel any lesser because of that. And I was playing with people who had never played to people who played for England, some of whom were my best friends. And there wasn't any judgment around any of that we were all just a group of girls enjoying the same sport having fun being part of the same community and it was just absolutely a revelation for me and it was something I could give back to as well you know we all have our strengths and I was never going to be the best player but I was able to get involved in the club community you know I led the club along with Sophie my best friend in third year and all of that just opened so many doors for me and really changed my relationship with my body, with exercise, with myself and my confidence. You know, we're very lucky at Durham that if you were a university sports club president, you could go on leadership coaching programs and that kind of thing, which really started to set me up for 
host university life as well and just opened all these doors not just around okay can I now run around a pitch for a 40 minute half which I could and could not have done before but just completely changed my relationship with myself and those around me as well. And when you say as part of that it changed your relationship with your body unpack that a little bit. It was really cool to see over time what my body could do I think before at school there had been and I think a few of your other podcast attendees have touched on this as well but I think there had always been a perception that the main benefit of exercise was being skinny (laughs) and that's just totally not what playing rugby is about I'd like to think with all sports but particularly for me as someone who played rugby rugby is not about a body type and actually the joy of rugby both the men and the women's game is that there is such a range of body types in the sport as well and there really is a place for everyone and it was just really cool to see across strength and cardio how my body changed and what it could start to do and what's interesting is you know I look at pictures of me 10 years ago and aesthetically it's probably not that different and I am someone who in my lifetime my weight has never really strayed too far within a given range you know sometimes a bit lower sometimes a bit higher but I've always been within a set range but my body has looked in the mirror very very different and an example of that is by the time we got to third year training or playing five six times a week we had strength and conditioning sessions what was really cool was at the same time more money was being pumped into the women's rugby program we were really successful we were getting a lot more support from the university and from other programs and funding and things like that which was great to see as well So we started having, for example, strength and conditioning sessions. And it's really cool to be able to go into a strength and conditioning gym. So like a normal gym, but just the weight section rather than the cardio machines as well, which the first time I went in definitely didn't feel like the right space for me. I was a little bit scared, but so was everyone else around me because loads of us had never been anywhere like that before. And we had great strength and conditioning coaches who would say, right, here's a bar, this is how much a bar weighs, here's what you want to do for this exercise. We got really taught about our form, you had access to all this incredible training as a beginner to that area. And something so cool about seeing that your skills tangibly improve. So I think the first time we went in, I remember a session where we were being taught how to do overhead press and I couldn't lift the bar. I honestly couldn't lift the bar above my head and so you use a half bar instead and then it was just really cool just seeing week on week you know and then two weeks later I could lift the bar and then two weeks later I could lift the bar with some little weights on each side and then it just went up each week and it was really cool to see and my body was physically changing a bit as well and I'd be lying if I said it wasn't nice to also see an aesthetic benefit but what was really cool was seeing how my ability changed each week and the same with my running as well you know I think when I first started in first year or certainly after coming back after every summer as well to a new term for pre-season I you know huff and puff my way around the pitch and then getting to a point where you can play an 80 minute game and you know you're exhausted at the end of it because you've thrown everything into it but you've done it it's just really cool to see what your body can do and how it can change and I began to feel really grateful for my body and really impressed by what it could do I think weirdly thinking back to a school exercise it's almost like me and my body were two different people and I think perhaps at school I'd thought oh well my body can't do that so that's just my body so you know what's the point point?" and then 
when I was at university it was like me and my body or my mind and my body were more aligned and I realized that by being conscious in my training turning up to training having a positive attitude bouncing off those around me I could feel really great mentally and also physically too and what was that doing for your mental health it's an interesting one because I don't think my mental health was bad going to university so there was nothing to fix but I felt amazing you know I would happily say to anyone in the first years I moved to London Durham was the three best years of my life at that point and actually when I first moved to London I found it really difficult adapting from that I think because I had been on such a high I had such a community around me I had such great friends I loved my degree too and I loved being at Durham in general but particularly playing rugby as well I had such a purpose being there and and then I sort of moved to London and I think my mental health then did decline because when I was in that place at Durham, I just, it was great. I loved it. So talk me through a bit about that experience then from going from that high to your move to London to meet me, you lucky sausage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I will not take it personally, there's direct correlation between meeting me and the deterioration in your mental health. <laughs> but yeah, unpack that a bit for me. So I think, I think I found it really tricky moving to London. And I know that having spoken to, you know, I've got some great friends, including you, that I'm able to be really open about this kind of stuff with. But I think there's a real sense that up to 21, the age I left uni, you're always jumping through hoops to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And I think for a long time, you know, probably from sort of when you start secondary school, the final hoop you can see is finishing uni and getting a job. And so then when I finished uni and having done a a vacation scheme and having a training contract lined up and knowing that I'd need to do the law conversion and the LPC, I'd sort of done all that. And I thought, okay, I've jumped through these hoops, I've jumped through this hoop, I've jumped through this hoop. And I moved to London and it was just a real sense of, oh gosh, well now what? You know, as you say, I'm someone who often has a lot of energy for things and I just didn't know what to do. I had nowhere to put this energy and it became quite internalized in a sense. And I was sort of fraught with this nervous energy as well about, well, what should I do? And should I be going and doing this? And should I join a rugby club here? Or well, then I won't know anyone and they're all too far away. And part of the thing before was that I knew everyone and I felt like part of the community and, okay, I've got to start this law conversion. How does that work? You know, I felt really comfortable doing theology and now I'm doing law, which is big and scary. And it was just like a perfect storm, really. I didn't have that community which for me had also been my door to exercise I didn't have any of the familiarity around my area of study or even friends and things like that because none of my really close friends moved straight down to London after university either which I also found tricky and so I think that then is probably the period in my life where I was doing a lot of exercise but my relationship was not healthy and I think that's what's interesting is that it's not like it was an obvious pattern or a conscious choice you know objectively I was probably doing the same number of minutes of exercise per week as when I trained at university but the way I was approaching it in my own head was nowhere near as healthy I wasn't going to a gym session because I wanted to get strong for the next game and I wanted to see all the girls I was 
going to the gym because I didn't really know what else to do. And I thought if I just kept doing the same routine that I'd been doing at Durham, then that might help me find some normality. And what did happen with your mental health and that relationship then? I think it just sort of plateaued. There wasn't some big moment of revelation, but I just sort of got more used to London life and, you know, not to be cliched, but time was a bit of a healer. I felt more settled. Everything started to feel more normal. That's also the time that I took up running. So my first ever half marathon, which was with you, which I will remember forever, um, was a real challenge for me because, you know, I'd played rugby, but I'd never been a runner. And I think this is a really interesting thing as well, which I'd like to talk a bit more about. So sort of sign up for this half marathon as a challenge. I picked a half marathon as a distance that was a challenge, but achievable, or in my head at least, and trained for that. Probably, I know now compared to how I train now, slightly too obsessively I wasn't being fair to myself you know if something was on the plan I was going to do it regardless of whether or not I felt like doing it I didn't have the understanding that it's okay to have a rest day that isn't a planned rest day if you feel rubbish I was very militant with my training it was looking back definitely a bit of a control thing what do you think you were controlling well it was something I had control over I think where I felt like in other areas of my life I didn't have control anymore because things were new and scary and different and it was new friends and a new course and a new part-time job and all of that and this was something that I could control if my plan says I'm going to get up on Tuesday morning and run for half an hour then yes I will and I have done that and tick to me you know so I kind of trained for that and we did that together and I remember doing that and having really mixed feelings when I finished because I felt so proud of myself. I'd done it. I'd never done anything like that before. I'd never done any timed run before ever. I was the person who would hide in the changing rooms when we had to run 1500 at school. I used to be slightly asthmatic, but probably clung to that in a way that was an insult to asthma. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh no, I can't run. I'm asthmatic, which I am. But that wasn't the reason I wasn't running. So I kind of remember having mixed feelings finishing that half, being so proud of myself. I'd never thought of myself as someone who could do something like that. I was so pleased I'd done that, but still not feeling like it was enough and almost immediately thinking, right, what's next? What's next? Should I do another run next or should I do this? Or what should I do with that? And I think at the time that's quite easy to justify as now I'm sporty and now I'm a runner, I'm an achiever. obviously the natural thing would be to do the same again but faster and looking back that wasn't super healthy either and I think that is the symptom of the fact that I was sort of throwing all my energy into this new thing that I found that I could do and my body could do and I was doing it not because I enjoyed it necessarily but because it was something to do. Mm. Was there at that point do you think any achievement aspect of it I know something I've spoken about with other people and something I've really struggled with in some ways with competing is just needing to be really good at things just because and was that ever something that you thought about or had a slight battle with or really for you was it just something to have control over I don't think there was 
too much of a competition element. I think that is probably something from rugby that has and will hopefully stay with me forever is that, frankly, most people, everyone apart from two people, is going to be someone who's not the best and not the worst. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. And I actually think, particularly from my relationship with running, I have only ever been my own competition. And I think that I'm kind of okay with. I think certainly for that first half marathon and that first running event for me, you know, I had a goal in mind and I reached that goal and I was happy about that. But you have to also recognize that particularly with a sport like running, you can keep making marginal gains, but unless you're an elite athlete, you're not going to get faster forever. (laughs) (laughs) I then after that started to learn to enjoy it for what it was as time went on in London and I became happier and more settled and you know had good friends around me and flatmates who would go running with me and things like that as well it became more enjoyable it became something I wasn't doing just because I said I was going to do it so I did it It became something I wanted to do became something very sociable you know I know me and you used to run together we both lived in Stratford and I used to run with other friends who live around the area or run to work with people it became something that I did because I wanted to do because I woke up at it was a sunny day and wouldn't that be really nice and not as a sort of I don't want to say punishment because I'm fortunate in that I've never really been someone who's connected exercise too much with food I think it's interesting you know hearing people say things like oh well I ate a donut so I should go to the gym I think whilst I've never had that connection I think perversely when I started running I probably was still using it in the same way but to do with my relationship with studying or work for example so it would be more you know oh well I've barely done any work today or had a terrible day at work so I should go running and do something good and seeing that as something good that was an antidote to something bad the bad thing being stress or anxiety or work rather than food I think for me That's incredibly interesting. Do you have any sense of where that messaging of good came from for you? I think it's a funny one because I do believe that exercise is good and particularly the relationship I have with exercise now, I feel very lucky to be in somewhere where I have a very healthy relationship with exercise and with my body and with myself but I think it is a delicate balance between exercise being good as an additional benefit to my existence and my living and good as a necessary part of my existence and living. And unpack that a little more I know I'm really pushing the point but where you say exercise is good for you unpack that a bit more for me so I think for me now I see exercise as a really positive thing mentally and physically I know that from a physical point of view we are still relatively young but we're not getting any younger so there's no harm in looking after your body and as I kind of touched on before things that you never used to believe people say when they'd say oh gosh you know you're so young and lucky you can do all this stuff and now some days I do wake up and I think oh gosh my knees hurt it really is beginning you know (laughs) I used to think that physio was for people with severe problems and now I don't think I'd have any friend who hasn't undergone physio (laughs) so part of it is good physically I think the main 
good of exercise for me now is definitely mentally. It's a real stress reliever for me. It's a time that is just for me. It is a complete act of self-care. And whether it be running or not at the moment with lockdown, but I've always been very into my yoga as well. It is restorative. It is very beneficial for me. What I really enjoy about talking to you about this is that, as we have spoken about before, I just don't have that with exercise. I'm getting there in very, very baby steps in terms of being a benefit to my mental health. But I suppose for a while I had this quite cynical view, which sounds quite harsh, but just... Do you know what? Maybe actually everyone just does exercise for the reasons that I do it, which is just because I hate my body and I desperately need control over it. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I suppose that's why I really wanted to have you on the podcast, because I know that you are someone who has a completely different relationship with exercise. And I think it's so important to draw out because it's not as if my relationship with exercise is bad and your relationship with exercise is good. It is so much more complex than that. And I think it is really helpful for me and I think really beneficial to draw out the fact that that relationship can be so incredibly varied. I think the reason that I am able to have such a positive relationship with exercise now is because I genuinely thought it was something that would never happen you know how things are when you're a teenager and you have those feelings and you think this will be it for life you know I am doomed where was me and I just genuinely honestly 16 17 18 I wasn't sporty I didn't exercise and that was that and you know if you ask my friends who I went to school with who I'm still friends with now they think it's absolutely hilarious that I now you know enjoy running at the weekend and will go out and do that for fun I genuinely used to hide in the changing rooms so I think for me I just find it such a good thing because to me, it's an example of my own growth, not just in terms of physical capability, but also mental capability. It was something that I never used to be able to do. And now I can and I do it because I can. And because isn't that cool that I can do that? I can do that thing that I didn't think I could do. Unfortunately, a couple of friends from university have passed away since university. And I often find myself I don't really know why thinking about that as well and thinking, you know, well, I should go out and do this because I can and because I'm so fortunate and I have a body that can do these things. And I'm alive and so privileged in so many ways and I should enjoy that. And to me, exercise is a manifestation of that as well, of the joy of my existence and all the things my body can do. I just think that's so amazing. And I love that I have a body that can do that. I feel very lucky to have that relationship with exercise now, but I think that probably is because the bar started so low. (laughs) (laughs) And looping back a bit to the body image side of things, do you currently weigh yourself or check your body size in other ways? So I do weigh myself because we happen to have scales in the flat. We never had scales at home growing up, which I think was probably a great move from my mum. So I had no idea how much I weighed as a teenager. And as I say, just didn't really care because I was generally ambivalent towards my body. I do wear myself now, but I think coming back to the weight versus aesthetics point is that I know and I have seen my body 
at exactly the same weight look very different. So I don't set a huge amount of store by weight, to be honest. I've been the same weight and been, frankly, out of shape and not very healthy. And then on the flip side, been that weight and been relatively toned and feeling strong. (laughs) And at those times where you've been the same weight, but as you have described in your words, unhealthy, what has that been like? What's been that experience? Have you felt a need that you should be looking to change yourself or have you been able to have that acceptance of it's just my body right now and there are loads of different reasons why that is my body I think probably a bit of both but perhaps not for the reasons that you might think on the former so I noticed when I started working as a lawyer that in busy periods of work I stopped exercising I've always been someone who prioritizes sleep I have to sleep I am a real gremlin if I do not have my sleep And so in the sort of triage of sleep, work, exercise, exercise was always the first thing to go. And so when I would notice my body changing, it wasn't necessarily a, oh gosh, I have to get my body back to how it is. It was a visual clue that I'd been neglecting that self-care. And actually I'd think, oh gosh, of course I feel upset all the time and a bit pent up because I haven't been for a run or to the gym in three weeks and that is something that just makes me feel good not just physically but endorphins and mentally too and so I think in that sense I did and occasionally do feel a need to change something when I see my body changing but not because I want my body to go back to looking the same because it's a it's a little reminder for me it's like a little iPhone alarm going off saying hey you you've forgotten to get some endorphins but equally you know, sometimes your body does just change and that's just that festive period, holidays, etc. Do you have any fear around a significant change in your body? If you were to significantly put on weight or if you were to stay the same weight, but we're just not able to run distances anymore? I think I would really struggle if I couldn't exercise at all but mentally more than physically, I think. I feel very fortunate that I have a body that is able to do the things I currently do. I've had small periods of classic running injuries or rugby injuries and things like that and been out for maybe six weeks, eight weeks before and have found it difficult because I felt like I haven't had a mental outlet at that time. I've never been too worried about my body in those periods because I feel quite good at acknowledging that once I get back, everything will change again. But I think if I was to have a sort of an existence where I couldn't do that ever again, I would struggle. Mm-hmm. And what about food? Talk to me a bit about your relationship with food. I love food. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I love food. I love going out for food I love cooking food I love watching programs about cooking food I love listening to podcasts about food I love reading restaurant reviews I love it (laughs) well that was quick um tell me a bit just about where you are now with exercise because there are a lot of demands on your time and that's not easy so where I am now with exercise feels like quite a 
good place. I do have to keep myself in check sometimes still. So when lockdown hit and gyms closed, I missed the gym a lot at first because that's something that's always been quite consistent for me as well. And then I had a friend from school who had on social media still and he'd got really into his running and he had a running coach and he was always very sporty. And I thought, oh gosh, well, that's something that only people who are really into running would do. And then I sort of messaged him and I said, well, gyms have closed. Tell me a bit more about this running coaching you're doing. How does that work? And obviously we're in an age where there's a lot more online exercise and everyone's doing dig me at home and all of that. And kind of explained how it works. I thought, okay, well, I'll try that. So I had a call with the people who now help me with my running, who are absolutely great. And I told them a bit of this story, to be honest, and said, look, I'm someone who used to hate exercise. I now quite enjoy it. Gyms have shut. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be in a financial position where I'd like to put that gym money towards something else. Want to have a go at really improving my running a bit more. You know, let's go. And I had to really have a conversation with myself about that, about why I was doing that 13-year-old thing again of saying, well, are you, are you sure you need to do this? Because that, that's probably for any people who are really good at running and talking myself out of it and thinking, well, that'd be really expensive, so it's a waste of money. And then, you know, you realize that different people value different things. Different people spend money on different things. It's an investment in my health. It's something I'm fortunate enough to be in a position to be able to do. So why should I not do that? Why should I talk myself out of that? So I started doing that. So I've been doing that for about a year now. And it's really interesting because... I feel like I've almost come full circle because occasionally people at work, for example, we have a work Strava group and someone will say something like, oh, well, you know, you're a bit of a runner. And I have to almost pause the conversation and think, <laughs> oh, my gosh, someone just said that I'm a bit of a runner. I feel like calling myself up and saying, hey, you, you get there and you love it. And I find that really interesting because now I am on the other side of that and I run because I enjoy it and I love it genuinely I think oh well it was so easy why did no one ever tell me all I had to do to be a runner was put on some trainers and go for a run not at a particular speed and not for a particular distance I had to just put on some trainers and go out the door and just keep moving forward and (laughs) in my kind of self-motivation enthusiasm type where I have these little catchphrases I use for myself when I'm running and some of them stem from rugby we had an excellent rugby coach who always used to say work when you're tired and so that's often something that comes into my in my head when I'm really flagging on a run but something that I do think a lot and it's one of those silly things that motivates me is that all that running is about is just moving forwards and It's just one more step and one more step and one more step. And even on the runs where you feel really tired, all that's required is forward motion at no particular speed to no particular location. And now I realize that it sounds so obvious. And I suppose, yes, I am a runner. I am someone who goes running and I love it. But it's not some mystical breed of elite athlete. And it's just a real revelation. (laughs) So how do you feel like your mental health is now in relation to exercise? I think really good which I feel really happy to be able to say. I've signed up for a triathlon in September, which is a completely new challenge because whilst I have, as discussed, finally come to the revelation that I can be a runner, I think it's going to be a bit of a journey in itself. And it's interesting because despite having just said everything I've just said about how easy it is to be a runner because you put your trainers on and you move forward, I'm still sat here thinking, but I'm not a swimmer (laughs) and I'm not a cyclist. (laughs) 
Whereas actually the logic should be exactly the same. You know, I, I put on a swimming costume and I move forwards and I get on a bike and I move forwards. So I think that is going to be a scary but exciting journey too. And I think what I find so impressive about that is doing that from a place of no swimming pools being open. <laughs> <laughs> so I got one swim in before the new lockdown. I am nervous. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't terrified. But I say these things to myself, both to reassure myself and sort of as manifestations that I'm not doing the triathlon for a time. I'm just doing it to finish as a challenge. I'm going to do it with a housemate. It's one of my best mates. It's going to be a fun day out. It'll be a new challenge. It'll be something different to do. It'll be something to do with my energy. And I think (laughs) it's interesting. So I I know, for example, that you are a very good swimmer. I remember going swimming with you to the Olympic swimming pool in Stratford, and I had to buy a swimming costume for the occasion. I don't know if you remember, because I only owned a bikini at that time. (laughs) Such commitment. I thought Lydia goes swimming. I think this was like maybe a relatively new point in our friendship still. And you'd said about going swimming, and we said, oh, we might go swimming together. And as you know, how I am as a person is that someone says oh should we do this I don't think of it as a sort of <laughs> loose invitation to maybe do it one day but maybe not I think oh well gosh now I've got to do this <laughs> so I acquired a swimming costume <laughs> I think perhaps on the way to the swimming pool from recollection I think so I think we got off the tube at Stratford and had to go via JD Sports in Westfield on the way to the Olympic swimming pool <laughs> and then we got into the pool and you kind of said oh just warm up with some drills and I was thinking drills drills Lydia what are these drills you're talking about and I had a great time and it was great and you were super patient and I learned loads and it was really fun being in the water and I've always loved being in the water and so I'm just going to take that same attitude again you know I don't need to be scared about it I just need to have some fun and go and try it and see what happens and the same on the bike I think I'm fortunate in that I've got some really cool friends who are really into cycling and really into swimming who I can hopefully get some tips from and stuff and I think that's a big thing for me as well. Exercise is also now very sociable. I probably do four or five training sessions a week and at least three of those are normally with someone else, which is really great. But yes, I feel in a good place, which I feel happy to be able to say. Kimmy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And like I said, for just bringing a really different perspective to that relationship with exercise that I just don't have. And Yeah, everyone has different experiences, but I think it's so important to capture all these different perspectives. So thank you so much for coming on Well Undone. Thank you for having me and for taking me to the Olympic swimming pool via JD Sports. (laughs) You are so welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts so that other people just like us can hear about the conversations we're having. Thank you so much for listening and thanks again to this season's sponsor, Perennial Plants. A reminder that you can view the full beautiful houseplant and plant pot range at www.perennialplants.shop and on Instagram using the handle perennialplantsshop.com.